0: All right. Everyone have their Bibles? Their Bibles, their no papers? No? Well, go get it if you don't have it. All right. The magic number is 11 and 29. 11 and 29. Anyone guess what it is? 11 and 29. Go for it. Nope. Negative. No one can guess 11 and 29. What are you guys still asleep? Come on. Eleven days till Thanksgiving. Twenty-nine days till Christmas. Come on, guys. Are you guys keeping track? My gosh. Are you guys one of those like, I live day to day. I don't look at my calendar. I don't even have a watch. All right. Eleven days to Thanksgiving, guys. It's like you got like two more days to start fasting, so like you don't eat anything for the next week, and then you just stuff yourself. Twenty-nine to Christmas. Look at your calendar. I can do math. Well, not, kinda. (laughs) Who's, okay. Raise your hand if you're more excited for Thanksgiving rather than Christmas. No? no. No? Okay. You guys all prefer Christmas over Thanksgiving? Okay. Did you guys already ask your parents what you want or not yet? Okay. All right. Who wants the PS5 or that's the new thing, right? All right. I didn't even know that thing was coming out. So I saw like a meme on it. I was like, there's a five? gosh okay this is how old i am the last console that i had was a playstation 2 that's how old i am okay it was like madden 2000 or something <laughs> all right so all right well yeah 11 days to thanksgiving 29 days to christmas and sounds like you guys are excited about it so that's awesome all right all right you guys ready all right Bring it in. Sweet. All right. Okay. So today, if you haven't noticed, we're going to be in James chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. Let me get my timer started here so I don't talk for like three hours and then you guys are going to hate me. All right. Okay. So everyone, turn to James chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. Like Daniel said, when you're there, say, word. Word word. You guys sound so excited. How come you guys don't like say, word? Super excited. You're like, word. Like, I had to open my Bible. Word. You know, when you get older, the stuff you ask for Christmas is pretty basic. Like, I want a belt. Like, I hope I get a belt for Christmas. A belt. Because I was putting on my belt today, like, man, my belt is falling apart. I looked at my sock drawer, like, I can use some more socks. So... Just a heads up when you get old. That's when you know you're old, you're like, I want a belt and some socks. Like I'll get really excited for that. If I get a PS5, I'm like, what do I want this for? I don't want this. Never gonna use it. <laughs> it's because I'm poor, okay. <laughs> Maybe that could be it. Maybe you're poor and old, you're really gonna love socks. <laughs> alright, alright, alright. Enough for the Christmas. Okay. Question for you guys. Have you okay, listen, 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 listen. Okay. Have you guys ever gotten caught doing something so ridiculously wrong? Like, for example, say, say you necked your little brother really hard, and you didn't notice, but your dad was watching you from the corner of your eye, and you're like, ooh, I'm going to get a whooping now. Like, You know, you, you did something clearly wrong. You just necked your brother for no reason, and now you know you're going to get a whooping, right? Or let's say, let's say your mom calls you down for dinner and say, hey, Timmy Turner, come down for dinner. We're going to have dinner. And... You're running down, and you sit down, and then your little brother's going to sit down. But as soon as he sits down, you pull the chair, and wow. And again, your dad's sitting on the other end of the table, and you're going to get a whooping, right? So obviously, those are two. Listen up, listen up, listen up. So we all have those examples of doing something really goofy and something wrong and getting caught, right? We can all kind of relate. So in James chapter 2, something very similar is happening on here. James here, Shh, listen up. James here, who is, by the way, the younger brother of Jesus, is correcting the church here in Jerusalem. So kind of a little context there, they're doing something a little wrong, or something very wrong, I should say, and James has to correct them. All right? So let's read James chapter 2, verses 1 through 9, and you guys will, it'll clearly make sense here. All right? So let's read chapter 2. My brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. For if there should come into your assembly a man, a man with gold rings in fine apparel, and there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes and say to him, you sit here in the good place, and you say to the poor man, you stand there or sit there at my footstool. Have you not shown partiality among yourself and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Do not the rich oppress you and drag you into the courts? Do they not blaspheme that noble name by which you are called? If you really fulfill the royal law, according to scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law of transgressors. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you this morning just asking, Lord, that you just speak to us tonight or this morning and that we would just hear from you so clearly, Lord, that it would just ring in our minds for the days to come, Father. Lord, as I'm up here speaking and teaching on your word, Lord, would I not speak on my own opinion or my own conscience, Lord? But Lord, that I would just... Clearly speak what your word is speaking here, Father. Lord, I just pray for every student here, every young man, every young woman, Father, that they would just be super attentive, that they would just be focused, Lord, that they would just have a desire to just listen to you this morning, Father, and that, Lord, it would just be a sweet and awesome morning. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right. So obviously we see what's going on here, right? The church here is showing partiality, they're showing favoritism. There's two different types of groups of people. There's the poor people, and then there's the rich people. And here, the church themselves are playing favorites with those who were rich and ignoring and being mean to the ones that were poor. So you can say, okay, obvious, Kevin, just keep on moving, that's wrong, we, they shouldn't be doing that, we know not to do that. Well, before we just kind of glance over this, I wanna dig deeper into this text and kind of look at keywords so we can actually see how evil and how bad the church was behaving so that we can get a better idea and be able to apply it more to our lives. So we're gonna expound quite a bit on the first couple verses, and I think you're going to get an even better picture and even more of a nastier taste or ver- a clearer picture of how the church was acting. So the first part, uh, first point is called the ugly details, and that's going to be verses 1 through 4, okay? So these are the ugly details within that, uh, those verses that we were reading. So the first word that comes up in verse 1 is partiality. So what does partiality mean? so it says to show favoritism of one who is more wealthy, a higher class, or has power over one who does not. So in other words, to, re- to only respect the outward circumstances of someone and not their intrinsic merits. So for example, uh, let's say our two, uh, there's two students and I would favor the one that, has, that was not poor and the other one that was poor. So I'd be like, oh, you know what? I'm going to be nice to Timmy Turner, you know, because his parents, they're nice. You know, they have a boat, you know, they have a lake house. You know, maybe they'll invite me over, like, oh, my teacher's real cool. You know, they, you know can we invite him over to our lake house? Like, yeah, I'm going to be friends with that kid. And maybe there was another kid who didn't have all those resources and, you know, is not so wealthy, and I ignore him. That would be a major, major sin on my part. It would be a, an evil and disgusting sin on my part, okay? And here, this is what the church was actually doing, Okay. Next verse, or, yeah, next key word, pay attention. So right here in verse 3, where it says, and where James says, and you pay attention to the, to the one wearing fine clothes and say to him, you sit here in a good place and you say to the poor man, stand there or sit at my footstool. So pay attention. What does the word pay attention mean? Uh, to turn your eyes upon or to look up to, uh, or to hold someone on a pedestal, basically, uh, like a celebrity uh to be all and giggly over a famous person so who's a famous person i don't know who's famous to you guys tom holland, tom holland. that's a spider-man guy right all right who else? who else all right who's a famous person give me a name lady gaga okay you're famous okay donald trump okay i think we'd be all intimidated if donald trump came in what other famous person Dwayne the rock okay ariana grande okay so any one of those okay so any one of those, let's say, who was the first one that he told me? Spider-Man. It's the guy who plays Spider-Man, the Tom Holland guy. He's pretty famous, right? You guys would all recognize him if he came in. Oh, look, there's Spider-Man. Let's say he were to come in, hypothetically, right? Say he's like, oh, I'm going to church now. I want to see what's going up. I want to see what's going on in, with the church. He comes in. I'm like, oh, Tom, his name's Tom, right? Oh, Tom, Spider-Man, come here. Hey, sit right here, man. The AC's right here. You're going to be nice and comfy. You know, Joel doesn't spit in that direction. You're going to be super <laughs> comfy, man Just sit there. You know, and all your other guys, hey, don't sit next to him. Leave him alone. Like, don't even breathe on him. Don't even look at him. Don't talk to him, right? <laughs> Obviously, that would be wrong. But literally, that's what that word pay attention means. Like, you're just focused on that guy because of who he is, right? And James, here's time the church, do not do that. So, make sense so far? Like, yes, Kevin, that's pretty obvious. We shouldn't be doing that, right? The next word is actually a pretty cool word. Uh, footstool, you can be like, okay, I know what a footstool is, where you put your foot. Duh. Well, so it could mean a footrest, obviously, where you put your foot, or it could be to subject or to reduce in power. So for example, like when conquerors, when they would conquer a certain land or conquer a a tribe or win a war, what would the leader do to the other leader, right? He would go and put his foot on the leader, right? And what would that symbolize? That would symbolize like, I win, I have power, you don't you lose, right? You show your authority and your power over the person you just conquered. So that would be like making them your footstool. You guys, getting the, you guys connecting the dots here? So when James is talking about, oh, sit at my footstool, he's not saying, oh, you're just telling them to sit on the floor, no. Sometimes we tell you guys to sit on the floor. That's not what we're talking about. With James here, when he says the word footstool, he's making more correlation, Is like you're treating these people as if you're so much better than them, which is pretty nasty. And remember, he's talking to the church. He's not talking to the unbelievers. He is talking to the church of Jerusalem. So getting a, bit, getting a little bit more clear picture of what's going on here. Yeah. All right. So again, footstool when you defeat your enemy. Romans 2, it says, God, skip that. There is no partiality with God. And this is the great thing. Remember, we talked about that first word, partiality. So, the Bible makes it very clear there is no partiality with God. And that's amazing. Think about it. Because if, he, if God did play favorites, I would be the very last one on that list, right? And I'm pretty sure quite a bit of you would be there with me. <laughs> Way on the bottom. I can name a whole lot more people that I say, yeah, no, God, God favors more than that. If God did play favorites, they should be God's favorites, and I should not be God's favorite. But thank God, God does not play favorites. Amen? Man. All right. Second verse, Psalm 10 or 110, verse one. Here it says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand and I'll make your enemies your footstool. Again, that word footstool. Next verse, Isaiah 66, one, it says, heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you'll build for me? This right here, Isaiah is making reference to first Kings. when King David wants to build a temple or a house for the Lord, and Lord, the Lord's like, David, like, you want to make me a house? Earth is my footstool. Like, you have no idea how grand heaven is where I'm at. Like, that's nothing. You can't build me a house within heaven that's going to be more better than heaven. However, that's a whole different story. Okay? But again, to, to clarify, God here is not this evil conqueror like Thanos. He's going to be like, oh, yeah, I conquer earth, and they're beneath my foot, and I conquer them. No, that's not, that's not what I'm, the Bible's implying here or saying. What the Bible is... Uh, saying here is just how vast and mighty and powerful God is compared to us. Make sense? So God is not an evil conqueror like Thanos. God is a loving and just God. Okay. All right. Next verse, which is, uh, or not verse, but uh, keyword is evil thoughts. Here, check this out. In verse four, where it says, have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? And, the, and this word means the attitude and actions against the poor were not wrong. They were not only wrong, but they were evil. They were seeing the poor as lower than them, and as a result, they exposed their nasty, sinful heart. So again, it's not, James is not saying, okay, you guys are doing wrong, like, stop that. Like, no, what you guys are doing is evil. Your hearts are evil at this, with this attitude, okay? So again, to summarize the ugly details here, it's here. They're playing favorites to those with money and influence, they had a very low view of the poor, and they had a horrible, sinful heart with regards to how they saw people. So far, not too good for the, for the church in Jerusalem, right? Not looking good. Okay, next point, which I titled, God and the Poor. So I kind of wanted to dive in a little bit here, as far as, because he's talking about rich and poor. I was like, okay, well, does that mean we can't be rich? Does the Bible say, oh, if you're rich, you can't go to heaven, or you can't be a Christian? No, that's not what the Bible is playing here. Okay, this does not mean that you, if God, if you're wealthy, God does not love you. That does not what it means. Okay, what it means is the poor are more likely to respond to God's gift of salvation, which has the rich have more obstacles, um, such as like I don't need God. Like I have money. What do I need? What do I need God for? I don't need someone to save me. Like I did good. I have. I went to school, I won the lottery, you know, I worked hard, I have all this stuff, like, I'm good, I'm okay, I don't need salvation. What I need to save from? I'm perfectly fine. See, so you see how your heart can change rather drastically once you have a lot of resources or a lot of money? That's where God is saying if you're wealthy, it's a lot more difficult. Whereas the poor, and let me, let me clarify who the poor are. the poor are not the ones who deliberately choose to, lie to the lifestyle of a beggar. So this is, very, this is key, key important here, okay? Because especially nowadays, we see a lot more homeless people walking around or a lot more poorer people, right? So who's the poor and who and what's not the poor, okay? Is every single homeless person the poor as far as what we're talking about here? No, okay? They're poor in the sense where they have no money. Yes, but that's not who the Bible's talking about as far as the poor. The poor here are not the ones who deliberately choose the lifestyle of a beggar, which usually consists of a life of drugs, stealing, and choosing to refuse God's help. This is, this, that type of person is called a rebellious person who chooses to live in a life of sin, you see? Where I say there is, so what is the poor? So that's what the poor is not. That's someone who has a rebellious heart and just refuses to follow God. The poor are the ones who have lost everything and have nothing to lose with very little hope. Those are the ones like, hey, I follow God, all right, I put my trust in God, or you know I don't deliberately choose to have a rebellious heart I don't know what the gospel is yet, but i don't I have nothing. I have nothing to give, I have little hope I have no resources I don't have money I don't have connections I have nothing that's who the God, that's what the bible's talking about who is poor Make sense a little bit different as far as knowing who the poor is all right key verses here talking about the poor first Corinthians one verse twenty six to twenty seven God does not call the wise, the rich, the noble, but he uses the foolish things for his purpose. Again, the Bible over and over usually favors the poor over the rich, and why? Remember how he talked about the heart, where the rich, it's a lot more difficult for the rich to have a willing heart to refuse God's help and to submit to the Lord when you have all those resources, but God usually chooses the poor because they have more of a willing heart. Proverbs fourteen thirty one: those who oppress the poor insult their maker, but helping the poor honors him. 1 John three seventeen. Whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? And one last verse about the poor says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, Isaiah speaking, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. Okay? And when hearing about the poor and the rich, a story that came to my mind uh, was a story in Matthew uh, 19 of the young rich ruler, or the rich young ruler. Yeah, (laughs) the rich young ruler, okay? So it's going to be on the screen. We'll read it. You guys can turn there if you want. But check this out. I think this this story uh, ties in very, very well with, with our study today. So it says this. So this is verses 16 to 22, the story of the rich young ruler, okay? So this is a young, rich, rich, a rich, young ruler speaking to Jesus. It says, now behold, one came and said to him, good teacher, what good things shall I do that I may have eternal life? Jesus replied to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. The young, rich, the young ruler (laughs) said to him, which ones? And Jesus replied to him, You shall not murder, don't commit adultery, you shall not steal, and you should you shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother, and you and love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, next slide. I'll come over here to you, this guy, so, so you guys don't think I'm ignoring you. Okay, so after Jesus said this, the young ruler replied to him and said, All these things I've kept from my youth, what do I still lack? Okay, so I think, and I could be totally wrong, but I think the young ruler here is being arrogant and kind of cocky when talking to Jesus here. Like, oh yeah, Jesus, I did all that. What else do I, do I still need? You think he was genuinely asking God? Or was he like, all right, Jesus, tell me, I'm, I'm already rich, I have everything. Tell me, no, young ruler, you're good. You got it under control. You're going to heaven, don't worry about it. You kept those commandments? Awesome, awesome. But... Jesus said to him, so check out what Jesus says. If you want to be perfect, so okay, so Jesus is saying, all right, you think you're perfect. If you want to be perfect, go sell what you have, give it to the poor, and you have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. Like, ooh. So now Jesus hits the heart right here. Because not only is he saying, okay, that you're actually." He's like, okay, now I'm going to go what get rid of what you love the most and follow me. And well, how did the young man reply? But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. So now, Jesus tells him, okay, you think you have it all under control, but you don't. You have a heart filled with your love for money and for your possessions. So much so that you wouldn't give it up for God. Because he called him God earlier. He said, good teacher. When he said, applies a good teacher, he's, talking, he's referring to him, oh, you're holy and you're God. So, the young ruler refused, or he couldn't. His heart, he, and within his heart, because he says he went away sorrowful, he's like, like yeah, I can't do that. Like that, that Jesus, that one thing you're you asking me, I can't do. So next slide. So now, after the young ruler went away, pretty sad, Jesus turns to his disciples and says, or Surely I say to you that it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go into the eye of, the, eye of a needle for a rich man to enter the kingdom of god again is jesus saying here like oh yeah he has money so he can't go to heaven no jesus here again you look at the whole context talk about his heart the young rich ruler he loved his possessions so much for that that was i would say that's even his idol like that's what he worshiped his possessions you can say okay kevin well so what i don't have big possessions i'm not a baller like this guy i'm young but i'm not a ruler and not rich all right, let's switch it up a little bit. Instead of possessions, they say he was rich, they say the young, popular kid. He says, okay. And you're popular not with the Christian kids, but you're popular with all the secular kids. Say you're, even one, of, you're one of the main ones with all the cool kids in secular who are not saved, non-Christian friends. And Jesus says, okay, you, you don't do all the sins, but leave all your worldly friends and come follow me. Would you do it? Yeah, probably. Well, don't answer, but. <laughs> like, yeah, I'll do it, I'm not popular for sure. <laughs> I have no friends. <laughs> but let's say you did, right? You guys, you guys can kind of paint the picture in your head. You're, you got it under control. High school, or high school, junior high, you're not even a cool, right? You got all the friends, you're popular, everyone knows your name, everyone follows you on Instagram, all that good stuff, right? <laughs> A whole bunch of views, you have the most views than all your other friends. But you know it but you know all that is taken away from Jesus, right? It's not like you're sharing with your friends. Say, so yeah, I'm a Christian, but I don't share with my friends. Like, yeah, they say dumb jokes, or yeah, they say things that are inappropriate, or yeah, they watch things, but I don't really follow along with that. What if Jesus says, Okay, give that up and come follow me? Would you walk away sorrowful? I don't know. So that's where we we're able to apply it to our, to our lives. Making sense so far. And if it is cutting a little deep, you're like, Ugh, this is kind of a little harsh, Kevin. Like, why you got to put it that way? It's the Bible, right? It's going to be a little rough. So again, for the young, rich ruler, he was arrogant in his works, and he loved his possessions more than he loved God. God revealed to the ruler how it would be very difficult for him to be used and to enter heaven because he had such a love for his money. All right. Next slide. Uh, Rich in faith. So this, when James says rich in faith. So check this out. You ever heard that? It's kind of like a Christianese term. Oh, yeah, he's so rich in faith. What does that even mean? right. Okay. So the poor usually have more opportunities to test their faith. Why is that? Well, they usually don't have a choice. (laughs) They have nothing else to fall back on. Whereas the rich usually have the ability to buy or ask a, ask their connection to solve their issue. Say you lose your house, right? But if you're rich, you're like, oh, I lost one house. It's OK. I have another one. I can go live in the other one. No problem. Don't need God yet. I got it under control. I, I was smart. I had girls. You guys OK? All right, good. I can see you guys. Chill. OK. So I'm rich. I lost one house. I can go to my other one. And you know what? And if I lose that one, I don't care. I have another one. I have my Because he's rich, right? That's that's a rich. (laughs) Yeah, some of you guys have more than one house. I do not. Okay, but you guys get the point here, where the the rich person is relying on his own resources. Or let's not even do houses. Let's do cars. Let's say, oh yeah, I have five cars in my driveway, right? And he's like, well, one broke down or oh they stole one. Eh, no big deal. I don't really care. I'm not going to run to God for help on that one because I still have my own resources to figure that out. Whereas the poor they only usually have one car if they're lucky, right? Let's say they're just dirt broke and they got one car and that's all they can afford. And let's say it gets stolen or say it breaks down and you have no money to fix it. What do you do? You don't have a connection. You have no money. You got no money in the bank. But what do you do? You run to God, right? Rich in faith. That's usually the poor. That's why God's able to use the poor more than the rich because typically the rich rely more on their resources and their own strength. Whereas the poor, they run straight to God. Why? Because they don't have a choice. Usually. I mean, granted, they have a choice. They can go steal a car or something, but. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. The next one oppress you and drag you into courts. In verse six. So, here in verse six, where it says, But you have dishonored the poor man. Do not the rich oppress you and drag you into the courts? Okay. What is he talking about here? The rich and the powerful did not like the early church. Okay. So, you have to remember, this is just a couple years after Jesus had rose from the dead and ascended into heaven, and the church was not a cool club. It was not a popular thing to be a Christian back then or a believer. So the rich here and the powerful didn't like the church. They oppressed them and made false accusations against them, and even the Jewish uh, leaders, which had all authority, would take them into courts and tarnish their name. So James here is reminding them, like, why are you guys trying to play favorites with the rich guys or the powerful guys? They don't even like you. No? They throw you into courts. They say bad things about you. Like, I don't even understand why you're trying to impress them. And again, it says they will sue the vulnerable and make them pay unrealistic unrealistic debts and even put them into slavery for their unpaid debts. Okay? So that's what James is talking about here when he says oppress you and throw you into court. All right, verse 7 where it says it says this. And he's talking about the rich people. Do they not blaspheme that noble name by which you are called? Okay, noble. The next word I want to look at is noble. So this right here is the title of a follower of Christ. We should not be known for we should be known for our faith and our good fruits. We should be known for our love for others, the mercy we show, and the kindness we give to others. Okay, so here James is making it clear, like you guys are have a horrible reputation. Like word got out to him that the church is being very bad here. And he's saying you guys should have that noble name, which is what? Be loving, be kind, be merciful right? So love one another. And that's the kind of reputation that we should have. We should be, we should have that noble name of a Christian. Like, oh, you're a follower of Christ. Okay. Then I expect you to be loving, kind, merciful, not playing favorites with the rich and being evil. Like, that's not how we should be. So you see, and that's a good question to ask ourselves. Are we known as being a noble person? What would your fa- friends and family say about you if I were to ask them, not knowing that I'm a junior high leader, but like, hey, well, how about, what do you think of Timmy Turner here? Like, oh, he's, he's always saying bad words, or oh, he's always saying dumb things. You guys know who Timmy Turner is? Who, raise your hand if you know who Timmy Turner is. Yeah. No, not everyone knows who Timmy Turner is. If you don't know who Timmy Turner is, don't worry about it. It's not that important. But anyways, <laughs> it's the only name I can think of no one here is called Timmy Turner. Okay, so again, so that noble name. If I were to ask your family members or an aunt or uncle who who know you pretty well, and I were to ask them, Hey, what do you think of Timmy Turner? What reputation would would you say they have? Are they kind? Are they loving? Are they always doing the right thing? No. Or are they stealing? Vaping. Vaping. <laughs> vaping. <laughs> right. So here, James is making a very direct correlation that if you're a follower of Christ, if you claim to be a Christian and a follower, then you have to have those noble noble attributes. If you don't, then something's going on. Just like how James here is correcting the church. like, hey, you want to be, you're the church, you're the church of Jerusalem, you're followers of Christ, but you're doing all these nasty stuff. That's not right. That's not what you're supposed to be known for. Okay? So we'll call that a heart check. Check your heart. All right, summary so far. You guys following me or am I losing you guys? following? All right. Okay. We're getting there. Almost there. Check it out. So summary so far. It says, it's always the church was playing favorites by favoring those with money and influence and the poor and powerless. Okay. We went through that. That was the first point. Next one. But another thing we can see here is the church was being very immature. And what do I mean by that? What do I mean by the church was being very immature? You can say, well, Fine, they're doing something wrong, whatever. Like, they messed up, Kevin. Have some grace. Have some mercy against the church. But no, here you can also dig deeper. Remember I said we're going to dig deeper into to, to the verses? The church here is being very, very immature. You see? In James, so text this out. In James chapter 1 and chapter 2, it's not talking about salvation. Salvation is not being what's being discussed here. Salvation has been established already. We already went through that. God, or the earlier verses, James, that's, that's not what we're going through here. That's not talking about salvation, how to be saved. That's not what we're talking about here. Right here, it's now what's going on after you're saved. And that's a lot of us here. Like, yeah, Kevin, I, I, I've been a Christian for a couple months now or a few years. Like, yeah, I'm saved. Now what? So this is where it really applies to us, where, okay, we're saved. Now what? Here, James has to correct them. He's like, James is not questioning their salvation here at all. James is not here saying, oh, you guys are not saved because you guys are being mean to certain people. That's not what James here is saying. James is saying here, I need, we need to correct your character and we need to correct your attitude now because you're a follower of Christ. Okay? So not only, not only do, as we as believers do we grow in our faith, but we have to grow in our character as well. That's very, very important. Okay? So, the, so think about it. The fact that James even has to bring this up is pretty embarrassing. Right? It's shameful. You would assume that, oh, this is the church, you know, they're good. You know, they're the example. You know, they're the ones that are doing everything right. But no, that's not the case. But here is, it's embarrassing what James has to do. But before we start pointing the finger at the early church, we'll see that we're not too, too far off. Okay? Where are we at? All right. Grow in character. All right. So two different types of followers. So the next point, point number three is be a matured follower. And I deliberately put follower because I hate, I'm not a big fan of the word Christian or even believer. Like, oh yeah, I believe in God. No, a follower, okay? So it sounds a little weird. I even stared at it a little while. I was like, is that even right? Matured follower. Or not even maturing, it's a matured follower, okay? And I'm going to go through two different types of followers, okay? So again, we're not talking about salvation here. We're talking about you're saved, now what? Which is 98% of us in this room. So the first person one who genuinely accepts the lord and obtains salvation. Cool. Awesome. They're going to heaven. Woohoo. But they don't do nothing with their salvation. No real growth, no evidence of maturity, no signs of wisdom. Are they still going to heaven? Yeah. They're still going to heaven. Okay. We're not talking about salvation here. We're talking about you're a believer, now what? What's the second type of follower? Okay. One who genuinely obtains salvation. Woohoo. They're going to heaven. Awesome. Same type of person. And moves forward with that free gift by growing and maturing. Next thing. Maturing in character. They're leaving the old sinful practices behind and showing actual positive fruit in their lives. You guys see the difference between the two followers? E- either one of us fall into one of these two groups. You guys hear me that? We're follow- we fall into either or. You- there is no middle ground here. It's like, well, sometimes I grow, but sometimes I don't. Eh you're not in the very, you're not in the, the right column, All right, the correct column, technically that's the right column. Make sense? So check this out, read this very good guys. So I want you guys to actually take a look at this. Look up here, ladies, look up here. Ask yourselves, where do I fall on this, on this chart? Am I on the left or am I on the right? Am I actually growing, am I actually pursuing the Lord? Am I actually wanting to grow in character? Am I leaving the old things that I used to do, the bad words, the, the dumb things I used to watch online, the dumb memes that I used to think were funny, Am I still doing that kind of stuff? Or is there a drive in my heart that says, you know, I don't want to do that. I want to pursue the Lord. I want to be more like Jesus. I don't want to dishonor my God. And when I say fruit in their lives, we can go back, sorry. So we say fruit in their lives, what is that? That's another Christianese term, right? The Bible talks about fruit. We're not talking about literal fruit. We're talking about being loving, being merciful, being kind, having gentleness, having self control, loving the Lord. Those are the type of things that we should be growing upon. Okay? So, over and over, guys, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but the Bible talks about growing and maturing as believers. The Bible isn't just about salvation. Great, awesome. That's the core principle of the Bible. Absolutely. Be saved, go to heaven. Be with Jesus, love the Lord with all your heart. Absolutely. But there's a lot more after that. If you think like, okay, I'm saved. I accepted Jesus, that free gift. Awesome. I'm not going to read my Bible no more. Figured it out. Eh, You got the wrong idea of what the Bible is or what the Lord actually, or who the Lord actually is. The Bible over and over and over again, it's talking about growing in your character, maturing. You know, how, what are we supposed to do now that we're saved? Awesome. You're saved. Now what? What are we going to do? And this is what James is doing. He's correcting the church. Like, hey, you guys are saved. You guys are awesome. You guys are the church, but you guys need to grow up. You, got, you, guys, gotta be, you guys can't be evil towards the poor. That's what James is telling the church here. Okay? So again, once you, once you accept the Lord, pursue Him even more. Grow in your character. There's so much more after you're saved, guys. Okay? 2 Peter 1, verses 5 through 8, says this. So talking more about that growing and the maturing in the Lord. It says... But also, for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith, virtue, virtue of knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. So you see how he's adding on? He says, add to this, add to that, add to that. So it's just not like saved and done, end of story. No. Saved, okay. Be kind. Have patience. Brotherly kindness. Love one another. 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, it says, Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and evil speaking, as newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the Lord, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Again, there's that word grow, maturing. Let's move on. Hebrews 6, verse 1, it says this, so remember how I told you, like, uh, James chapter 1 and 2 are not talking about salvation. Like, that's already been established. We're moving on from that. Hebrews 6 is pretty similar. It says, therefore, leaving the discussion of elementary principles of Christ. says, what that basically means is, okay, we already, we already talked about salvation. We already got that handled. Now what? Let's go on to perfection. What does that mean? Grow, mature, grow in your life. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and from faith towards God. It's like, let's move on, guys. There's more to salvation. There's salvation and then pursue the Lord even more, okay? So grow up in the Lord and mature into something that God can use. Don't be a believer that refuses to grow willingly and can't be used by God. You know, one of the good good things about this is, remember that two columns I showed? If you're on the left column, you're like, yeah, I'm not really growing. Like, I haven't really been pursuing the Lord. I know I'm saved, but I'm not really pursuing the Lord. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. That's the Holy Spirit saying like, hey, Timmy Turner, pay attention. You know, you're not, this is a reality check here. You're in this side of the column. I want you to be on the other side of the column. Pursue me. Fall more in love with me. That's, that's the goodness of God right there, having mercy upon us. It's not like, oh, you don't want to grow? Oh, forget you, Timmy Turner. We're not going to use you no more. You lost your salvation. No, that's not God. <laughs> that's not our Father. The Father is gracious and he'll... Use teachings like this and His Word that will fall more in love with Him. Okay? So aside from that... So far, so good? You guys got really quiet. You guys are good? Am I being too mean? I'm good? All right. Another thing, when we said when I say mature in the Lord and, and grow willingly... When I say willingly, that means you're gonna grow one way or another. So again, we talked about you're saved, but I don't want to grow on the Lord. Well, God doesn't work that way. If you're a child of God and you're like, I don't want to grow on the Lord, but I am saved, I go to church, I do all that, but I really don't want to do I don't want to do more than that. God will force you to bend your knee. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> you want to be rebellious in your heart, but you're his child, God is, you, okay, you guys know those kids in the grocery stores where, like, they're just yelling and screaming and kicking and being a little brat, and their mom's just like, whatever, like, let them do whatever they want, I don't care. Uh, isn't that so annoying? Like, lady, get your kid, take him to the restroom, pull his little ear, make him be quiet. I'm trying to, grow, I'm trying to grow, shop for groceries here. See, God is not like that child that lets you kick and scream and be a little rebellious little brat. No. God loves you. God's going to say, okay, Timmy Turner, you want to be a little rebellious brat? Let's work on that. We can fix that. And he will, God, is, God is a lot more creative than you and I as far as <laughs> getting us to, to say, okay, God, I'm here. I'm here to grow with you. I'm here to fall in love, back in love with you again. And the way that works is through trials. So a lot of times we can say, okay, why am I going through this trial? Why is so much, why are things not going my way? Well, one reason, not always, it could be, okay, God's trying to get your attention. You're not really focused on Him right now, and He's taking certain things out of your life, so you can get, put your eyes back on Him. So again, willingly. So my advice to you is, willingly follow the Lord, or not? He'll pull your ear like He did with Timmy Turner, okay? <laughs> you guys will find out, what, just Timmy Turner, is just a random name, Timmy Turner. <laughs> but if you don't know who Timmy Turner is, don't worry about it, Okay? All right. Next and final point is rejection accepted. All right. So another observation here that I that I see. So check it out. The church was accepting the rich and the powerful to try to impress them, right? With special treatment. You know, I doubt, the church, I doubt the church was doing this because they thought it was the right thing to do, right? They say, oh, no, we're doing the right thing. We're supposed to treat the ones with money with nicely and the ones that don't have money, well, who cares? They can sit on my foot. No, that's, they, don't, they knew what they were doing was wrong, right? But why did they do this? They did, they did this because they wanted to gain approval from the non-believers so that they could be socially accepted. So remember the context where I said the church is, was not a popular thing back then? The church was hated. They were looked down upon. They weren't the cool kids. On the contrary, they were always looked down upon. But the church was treating those with money who were not believers better than they were treating the poor that were believers. And again, they did this because they wanted to be socially accepted. I believe we do this all the time. You know, it's very common. We see this in, not here specifically, but in other churches. So remember, following Jesus has its consequences of being known as being weird, you're a fool, or yeah, they were even known as being traitors. So the church did this so that they can gain acceptance from the rich and powerful, that maybe they wouldn't look like weirdos, right? That's what they were doing. This attempt to try to fit in or be socially accepted for being a Christian will never work because Jesus himself made it clear that it would never work. So again, thank God that Jesus addressed this head-on, this issue of like, well, can we tweak the gospel just a little bit, or can we act a little bit like the world so that like, we won't look so weird, Jesus? Like you didn't, you, Jesus, you got a little bit confused. Like if, like you just got to like, tweak, tweak it a little bit. If we tweak it a little bit, then we'll be cool and we won't look so bad, and hey, we could all live happily ever after. Non-believers, believers, woo, we live great. But no, Jesus is just head-on. Check it out in James chapter or John 15. It says this: "If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you." If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet, because you are not of this world, but I choose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. If the, if the early church knew this, they'd be like, oh yeah, we shouldn't be trying to accept or try to be fit in with the non-believers because Jesus made it very clear. They're not going to like you. Don't even try. 1 John verse 2 chapter 2 verse 15, it says Do not love the world Are the things in the world? If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the part of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. So, again, making it very clear the two don't mix. Okay. Jesus didn't come into the world so that he can be liked by society or socially accepted, guys. Jesus didn't come to be the cool guy or to be the cool thing. That's not why Jesus came. Jesus came to be truth and to save mankind from their sin. We as believers need to remember that our goal is not that we can be liked and accepted by the world, but that the world will see Jesus in us. That's what the goal is. If our, if our friends at school or our family would see a genuine faith in us, then they would want what you have. And what you have is a genuine thriving relationship with Jesus. So don't try to fit in with them. They don't even, a non-believer deep down inside, they're not happy. They don't have true joy. You do. So why are you trying to be with the one that doesn't have true joy? If, they, if you're genuine to your faith and you follow the Lord, they're going to come and follow you. You know, an example of this would be compromising your faith at school to fit in, with, to fit in and to be accepted. Playing favorites with popular kids and ignoring the nerds, Right? You know, don't fall into this trap thinking that you can be loved by the world and still have genuine fellowship with God. It's impossible. You know, this, this, uh, this idea of like, oh yeah, uh, well, Kevin, I don't, I don't favor the rich kids. Like, I don't have that bias. Well, okay, because maybe we don't have such a diverse social class here, perhaps. So technically that direct doesn't fit in. But maybe you yourselves here do play favorites amongst yourselves. Maybe you guys have your own little clique and you guys just talk to your three, four guys or people in your group. Like, well, yeah, this is just us four here and this is our clique and we really don't talk to anyone else outside our group. That's not too far off what the, church of, uh, the early church is doing. Maybe you don't make your, the other kids sit on the floor because you don't have that power to, but I'm sure you would if you did. <laughs> like, we sit in the front, you sit in the back. Don't even look at us. Don't talk to us, Right? No, guys, the way it should be in this room in the church is we should be a family. The Bible talks about we're a family of Christ. Like, okay, Kevin, that's kind of cheesy. We're a family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so I was thinking about this a little bit today in, in the morning. Family, what does that look like? How, what, what's the type of relationship we should have here in the church? Say you, say, say you guys go to a big family reunion or say grandma and grandpa or they, they had their 50th wedding anniversary and now there's going to be a big party. So all your aunts and uncles... You know, even long-distance family, family you have never even met. You know, they all get together. You know, there's 250, 300 people, you know, at this party because it's a big, big feast. But everyone is family. You don't know everyone there, but everyone is family, right? They may be your third, fourth, fifth cousin, but technically they're family. Now, when you're at that party and say on the other table over there, you're like, oh, yeah, that's your third, fourth great uncle over there. Do you go over there and like I'm not gonna go talk to that fool? Like he whack, I don't even know who he is. No, you would never do that. You'd be like, oh, that's my great-great uncle, that's awesome. I'm gonna go say hi to him. Hey, I'm Kevin, never met you before. What's your name? Oh, cool. Oh, you know, you're related to so-and-so, oh that's awesome. Oh, this is your nephew, your 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 son, or whatever. You go and you be nice to your uncle. You have never met him before, but you know he's your family, right? You're not gonna be rude and be like, oh, I'm not gonna talk to him. But yeah, we do the same thing here sometimes, right? In the room here, in the high school room, in the main. Or even at other events, church events, where technically we're supposed to be family, but we don't act like it. We're like, oh, I don't know that guy. I don't know him. I'm not going to talk to him. Or that girl, she's kind of weird. No, don't even make eye contact. No, she's like, come over here. Don't look over here. Don't look over here. See, you guys. That's evil. That's Listen up. That's That's evil. We shouldn't be like that. Okay? Yeah, I'm not telling you to be best friends with everyone and happy, happy, joy, joy. Like, no. Like, I'm not expecting that. But we should never have evil or show rudeness or belittle those who, are, who we don't know yet, we shouldn't have that attitude, okay? I'm not saying that that's what's happening here and that's why we're giving that service, that's not what it is. Maybe it is and I don't see it, but I don't think it's happening, but if it is, cut it out, <laughs> right? So again, if the shoe fits, wear it. If you see this and you're like, yeah, you know, Timmy Turner and two other fairy parents, we've been kind, of, kind of had our own little click the last couple weeks, we kind of need to stop that, right? making sense so again guys remember yes we're family and that sounds corny and cheesy well some people it's like family that's not my family I don't know that guy that guy's weird right which again you're gonna have weird people in your family how many people have weird people in their family again okay that's normal how many people have annoying people in their family okay again Maybe we're the annoying ones. I think I'm the annoying one in my family. <laughs> again, that's normal. You're gonna have annoying, weird, ugly, funny-looking people in your family. Just like here, we're not all gonna get along, right? Some, of us, some people are gonna get on our nerves. Shh, bring it in. So again, here in this room, we're a family. We're a family in Christ. The Bible makes that very clear. I, I don't have that verse in here. Maybe anyone knows to say it, but where the Bible says we're a family in Christ, brothers and sisters in Christ. So we should have that respect and that love for one another. Okay? So in summary, we'll close off with this to a quick summary. One, don't play favorites with people based on their social class or wealth. Have a noble character to go with your noble name. Thrive to mature in the Lord and accept being rejected by the world. I just accept that because Jesus said not because I said okay so a couple questions a closing encouragement okay the last closing encouragement I'm done with this so if you guys are paying attention just listen to this a couple questions am I maturing in the Lord we should be asking ourselves what areas in my life what are areas in my life that I can mature in do I have a reputation as a noble person? Do I reflect Christ? Or am I compromising in anything to try to gain acceptance in the world? So again, guys, I hope this, this message was encouraging. Um, could have been a little, I turned a little rough after, but <laughs> I think you guys are, are strong enough. All right. So again, I encourage you guys, mature in the Lord. Just don't be a, a one-step Christian. It's not worth it. God will get your attention and he'll be like, okay, we're going to move on. All right, guys, so let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, you're awesome. And I wish team you can come out. Lord, you're so awesome, Lord. And Lord, thank you for being so gracious. Lord, even, even when the church was being very rebellious and evil and being so rude and mean, Lord, you're gracious enough to allow James to correct them, Lord. Dr- Lord, James didn't go over there and kick everyone out and say, that's it, we're, scratching. we're starting from scratch. None of you guys can be part of the church anymore. But on the contrary, Lord, James went and he spoke to the people. He spoke to the church and corrected their actions, Father. Lord, and would you do the same with us? Lord, if we have favoritism in our hearts, if we have bias in our hearts, if, we're, if we've been being mean to other students around us, Lord, in this room or in the body of Christ, Father, Lord, would you just take that away from us? We repent of that, Father. We repent of that sin. And Lord, that would we learn and thrive to follow you more, Father. Lord, I just pray for every young man and every woman here, that they would just fall more and more in love with you, that they would have a desire, Lord. Would your spirit just fill every believer here in this room to just want to know you and to get to know you even more, Father, Lord, that we, are, we would be known by our fruits. So, Lord, we pray these things in your son's name. Amen.